As I prepared this week, a a character came to mind, emerged. A character, a a person, a personality type, a way of, a way that certain people kind of exist in the world. And that character can probably best be described as uh, Sheriff Taylor from the Andy Griffith Show. Now I'm I'm not I'm not nearly as well as versed in the show as I should be, especially since I lived in Mount Airy for five years. But I think about Andy. I think about him as careful and wise. I think about him as measured in his speech, yet always meeting a need. I I picture him as one clearly who had a quiet authority, right? Andy met needs for those he interacted with. He really didn't have to impose himself on anyone. Rather, through care and compassion and sensitivity, he developed a way of being trusted. As we juxtapose two scripture passages this morning, two that maybe upon first reading feel different, I think the Gospel of Mark and First, uh, uh, the, and, and first Corinthians will work together in ways that we're called to meet needs and create a sense of authority. But then also meet needs on the terms that those whose needs we're trying to meet, they they can receive and understand. We can say what we want, we can live how we want, we can do what we want, but if we're unwilling to meet others where they are, our influence is in many ways diminished. Our impact is lessened, and maybe the gospel isn't spread like it could be. So maybe those are some thoughts to consider. Maybe Andy Taylor is a a picture to have in mind about what it means to be, to embody the gospel in this world. As we turn to first the gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just uh, just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. And come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands and even the unclean spirits obey him. At once Jesus' fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. And now we turn to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now, considering food sacrificed to idols, 
we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by Him. Hence, as to, eating, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in this world really exists, and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all these things are all these things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of food they eat as offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food does not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, or no better off if we do, but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you who possess knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, they might not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols. So by your knowledge, those weak believers by whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their failing, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've titled this Down Home Prophet because though I'm not sure any such thing exists, it seems like we all have a picture of what that might look like. I've given you one with Andy Taylor, and I've certainly had some in my head who among us are our down-home prophets. But those who we would consider that are the faithful among us. They're the ones who embody the ability of Jesus to speak and act with authority, as many of them also have the ability to embody a spirit like Paul references also. These precious few among us who are our down-home prophets are special. They're pillars. They're examples we should emulate, and I think they embody well what it is that's described in these two scriptures. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus has been making his way along the Sea of Galilee. He's about 20 miles from his home in Nazareth, but he is clearly in an area where he is familiar. He knows people. Just a passage or two before, he has called his four disciples. And now he moves into the synagogue on the Sabbath and teaches. The people are impressed, they're overwhelmed, and I presume their eyes are opened to the work of God 
Because honestly, uh, an entertainer in the synagogue was not something that would have been really accepted in their time. It would have been silly. But Jesus taught what people needed. He healed those who were broken. And he's respected then as one who did this with a new, a deep, a real authority. Those present ascribed authority to him immediately, I believe because he was influencing them who were listening. They were open to God in new ways, which means they didn't just confirm, he didn't just confirm what they already believed, but he he revealed something new to them. He revealed the work of God to them in a new way, in a way they hadn't seen before. And so to teach with authority means to help others discover ways that they can see anew or afresh or renewed. They were not just hearing the same old stuff they had always heard. Jesus was bringing them the power of God in new ways. He speaks to the unclean spirits. He drives out the demons. He embodies the role of an authority figure and his renown grows quickly through the whole region. I suppose any of us who are able to start teaching and driving out spirits like Jesus did would quickly be anointed as a prophet. If if any of us could pull off what Jesus pulled off, our reputation would certainly grow quickly. But what's most helpful to me about this passage is not the particular about Jesus healing unclean spirits and exercising demons. What's there underneath the words is that Jesus was bringing the gospel, the good news to the people in, in ways that they needed it, the ways that they could hear it, and the ways that they could hear it afresh. And the way he did this was with compassion and love. Later in the gospels, they'll question him about his driving out of demons. And we'll remember what he said, that, oh, evil evil doesn't drive out evil. Love does. Love drives out evil. Hate and animosity are on the other side of an equation and do little to propel a situation forward, but love does. Love, the good news, and authority are represented here in who Jesus is and what he's doing and how he's relating to the people who are there. He teaches in ways that people understand this is loving. His revelation of God's work is beyond what those scribes just repeated and repeated. His exorcism of demons meets the needs and heals the ills of those who were there. And all of this lends and authority and supports and comforts the people who were the recipients of his ministry. All of these things are true about the gospel. And the, the good news is when the gospel is preached in this way, so that it connects to those who hear it, 
it's probably impossible to ignore. And I would submit, it's probably impossible to ignore no matter who the proclaimer is. It doesn't just have to be Jesus. But in this way, Jesus shows us what it means to be a down-home prophet. Someone who loves and meets needs. Who shares a good word, but is also kind of a local boy. He's the authority figure from Nazareth, even though he is just from Nazareth. Thanks to his true proclamation. His generous proclamation. Everybody is able to receive the word he gives. Paul describes this in a different way. He focuses more actually on the actions and the results. And so while it does seem in some ways that these are two very divergent passages, the longer I sit with them, the more they emulate this trait of being present with people through love. Most of us are familiar with this passage. If you've been in church for very long, you know about you can eat whatever you want, it's fine, but you wouldn't want to eat something that would offend somebody when you were with them. Paul jumps through these linguistic hoops and the the English translation basically says, don't do something with your controllable actions that might knowingly put off someone from understanding the good news. Oh, that doesn't mean we won't do something that might offend somebody. We, We might, but Paul's saying don't flaunt it, right? Don't knowingly rub it in. Unless it's NC State and Carolina. It's okay. it's okay every once in a while. Therefore, even through Jesus, because there were no more restrictions, you could eat what you needed to, when you needed to. You didn't have to count your steps on the Sabbath. Even though everything was considered clean, for Paul, eating anything that would hinder a brother or sister meant it wasn't worth having that at all. It wasn't worth hindering someone's faith by his actions. And the thing is, one of the rites of passage of adulthood, especially, I think, even as I've come into adulthood, in contrast to what I hear my parents talking about, the way they came into adulthood, one of the things is, People want to express themselves doing what they want. It is their time. But the reality of the Christian life is that if we want to express our faith in ways that others will join us in this meaningful journey, we have to express our lives in ways that they are willing to join us. We don't want to live and act in a way that would hinder others from hearing the word of God because of the things that we do. We are at our best when we live in ways that allow others to compassionately engage with us. I think that's what Paul is seeking. That's what Paul is teaching. And I think that's what the down-home prophet manages to do. They live among us in ways that our actions 
are influenced by them. Not the other stuff from the outside. So when we want to compassionately reach others, we, when we want to reach others, we work to compassionately engage with them in ways that they can understand. We don't throw up memes or talking points or tropes or, or language that is our own and demand others conform. Rather, the power of the gospel is that the opposite is true. Because of Jesus, we can bring the gospel to anyone in their language. We can use the power of God to help them understand fresh insight in ways that support them and what they need to hear. And the result is that the one who delivers the message becomes one who has authority because they can reveal the power of God to someone who needs it. If you want to deliver the gospel with authority, the way to do it is to imagine it like a down-home prophet would deliver it. Give the fresh insight that God has in ways that the recipients can receive it. This is compassionate. Oh, it is challenging. And it doesn't, but it doesn't demand conformity. Rather, it invites conversation. True gospel love and ministry does not boast or boast or dictate. It confesses, it compels, and it compassionately aligns itself with the needs of those who hear it. Just like a down-home prophet would. Just like those I picture in my head do for us when we need it. The so what is so what? Jesus did this because he was Jesus, right? Paul could do this because, I mean, he was the Apostle Paul, right? But I think that by exercising compassion with the authority of the good news, we embody these traits as well. The authority of Jesus comes with, with, with not staking the claim and defending it to the end, but by embracing those he was teaching to, by exercising compassion for who they were and what they needed, and by meeting the needs that they had, which was, in this case of this passage, exercising demons. He ministered in ways that they were able to receive his message on their terms. And the authority came because the good news was from God. They were able to receive this in their frame of reference because the the power of God is significant enough that it can reach through everyone's frame of reference. If we're willing to listen, consider our speech, seek others' viewpoints from a position of wisdom, we can embrace them and engage with them and not just speech preach or proclaim at them. Oh, that's hard these days. It's easier to to post a meme or to like a tweet or to stand by your guns. Not literally guns, but to stick to your guns the way mom and dad taught us to in middle school, right? It's easier to exercise bossiness when you get to the top, but honestly, honestly, Would Sheriff Andy Taylor tweet that? 
How would Andy or Jesus or Paul handle being at the dining table? What would they eat? What would they proclaim? Would they complain about what was kept off the table for the sake of another? I doubt it. Rather, for the sake of the good of the gospel, they would engage with what was given and what those who needed needed. Ultimately, I think my point is that Jesus and Paul approach those they interact with with with, with service in ways that are different than everyone else around us would encourage us to do so. We're told to take a stand. The, the currency of our world is making brash statements. And this causes us to wonder, what has the world come to? But when we look beyond the walls, what we see, well, when we look within the walls, what we see is one another. We see that there's something different. There's something more rich when we stick to the gospel. We see that across the table and around the room, beside us in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our community, are people full of, of, of needing the love of God. Of needing a fresh vision like those in the synagogue in Capernaum. And the way to, 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 to help them experience that is through a compassionate message. Just like Paul encouraged the church at Corinth to do. In embodying those traits, we have a chance at exercising authority and compassion like Paul and Jesus. So we go openly. We seek to meet needs. We seek to help others learn and experience the power of God. And realize that if we let the cultural trappings of our time get the best of us, then we're no different than the church of Paul's time, who was hung up on eating whatever they wanted to, and hindered the power of God. And so, since we long for the power of God to be among us, and in us, and exhibited through us, I pray we will have the trust, the trust in God, to lead through listening, through compassion, and through meeting needs. And in that way, develop the wisdom and authority that God is ready to give us. The wisdom and authority of the down-home prophets among us. The first of which was not Andy Taylor, though he is a good example of it. The first of which was most certainly Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and the one we seek to follow today. Will you pray with me? Loving God, in these passages you ask us to do something that's hard in our time, but it is the call you place upon us. And so Lord, help us with compassion and with openness and with love. Help us to approach you. Help us to approach scripture. Help us to approach our faith with those traits so that we might share our faith with others who need our faith and our love, but can only receive it through compassion and grace and kindness and generosity. Lord, it's easier to do the other side of those things. It's accepted to do the other side of those things. And so, Lord, help us to swim upstream. Help us to be the wise down-home prophets who speak to our communities with love and grace. 
and who sense and see and, and are examples of your work in the world because of it. This, O oh Lord, is our prayer that we offer in your great name with great faith. Amen.